When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that might just pull a hay boy next week and see how it goes. It's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most Saturday mornings. We're available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. A set of hip hop, a hip 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 hop. You know, stop the rocking. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and why would he carry his podcast notes in a normal backpack when he could use an attache case? It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. Ahoy! Each week we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. She'll find out what we make on the podcast when she works on the podcast. It's Alice, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. G'day, g'day, g'day. Alice, Thank- don't get your hopes up. I've been doing this nine years. I still don't know what we make. <laughs> what do they make? What is it? What Tell is me. it? What do they make? What do they make? <laughs> your dad told me you were funny. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Alice, for hanging out with us today to yes. uh, talk some movies and some other stuff. How have you been? How's life halfway around the world from us? How's it going down there? Oh, just hurtling towards the end of the year. It's mm-hmm. it's freaking me out. <laughs> <laughs> why is, why is it freaking you out? Oh, just because uh, there's a lot there's a lot going on, and I have to uh, well. Little, little, yeah, personally, is in terms of that, I'm about to go on a giant uh, overseas Europe trip in a month. And I am like, oh, I need to finish planning and start packing. And also, I feel completely betrayed by my Australia because I'm about to go from winter into winter. And it's meant to be spring (laughs) to summer right now. And I was like, it's fine. It'll be hot in November to like the couple of weeks of December that I'm here. I'll Mm -hmm. get my sun and then I'll go back into like hard winter with snow and cold and awfulness. Mm -hmm. And then... It's I'm as you can see I'm literally for those who are seeing the visual element but if not I'm wearing a hoodie right now mm-hmm. because it's still cold and I'm still waking up cold and this is awful I am not happy <laughs> with Australia we are meant to be known for it being awful and hot and it has been uh-huh. awful and cold anyway so that's my life right now that's why you're you're like Melbourne's like southern Australia even right isn't it on yeah, like the normally- south coast. 
Yeah, yeah, which actually means it's cold. It's the colder side of it. Like the further down you get, the yeah, colder the it gets. Yeah, you get to the South Pole. You know, yeah, exactly. Yes. Excuse, excuse my uh, <laughs> my north of the equator uh, yeah. bias <laughs> exactly. here. Yes, correct. Yeah. You would be on the colder side of Australia. That yes, is correct. We're, yeah. we're close to Antarctica, which is mm-hmm. pretty cold from yeah. what I understand. Yeah. <laughs> so, and there are people. But yes. There are, you know what? There are penguins literally here. There, we have a beach that I have you go one with me you, now. No, <laughs> we have a beach that we could. You go and you go to watch the penguin parade, which I have awesome. to say was another time that I was disappointed because as a child I thought that meant that the penguins put on a little like parade, like it was choreographed <laughs> and it was like a whole thing. And, and then I candy. went. Well, I just thought it would be like a like it'd be choreographed or something, mm-hmm. right? It'd be like a parade, and they just run up and down the beach. There's no rhyme or reason. It's just penguins living their best life on the beach. So still cute, but just don't mm-hmm. expect like a whole big show. Got well, it. Alice, I, I'm I'm in my mid thirties, and as soon as you said a penguin parade, that's the first thing I thought of. I thought right? penguins put on yeah. a parade. False, it it false only makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> and now I'm disappointed. Yes, thank you for ruining our expectations. We appreciate it. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean it's still cute. They're fairy penguins, so they're little, so hmm. it's cute. Oh, <laughs> that is cute. Yeah. Uh, I so bad want to make it down your way uh, at some point down to Australia, New Zealand, that area, down to Mordor in the south where you yeah. live. Uh, so, you should yeah. come. It's great. Are that, the penguins poisonous to too? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I've been to I've been to Mordor and I've been, you know, cuz we I've been to New Zealand and everything and we visited all the things and that was really fun and then Australia, you know, slowly slowly we're starting to be used as, you know, settings for movies. So nice. like a lot a lot Marvel movies have started been to be filmed here and other movies, so you know, also, it's fun. Just come. Also, we it's actually there's more civilization than you think based on popular culture and media. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it's not 98% outback wilderness. I know. Was, you won't yeah. see a kangaroo probably at all in the city. So <laughs> Wow. Well, now you ruined one of my reasons for coming. So, yeah. you know, I guess I've changed my mind. Oh, uh, no. it is always good to have you on, <laughs> Alice. Uh, we are going to talk about Armageddon Time. Uh, which is in theaters. Uh, Weird, which came out on the Roku channel, of all places. Uh, We've got a best ever challenge on best ever movies with the word time in the title. Uh, And then, of course, we'll do some buried treasure at the end as well. Um, Let's kick it off by talking about Armageddon time. The United States stands for an idea whose time is now. Ronald Reagan will win tonight. What a schmuck. <laughs> I think I want to be an artist when I grow up. going to be an artist if you want to be. Nothing's going to stop you. You're going to college. He'll have dinner with kings if he plays his cards right. Mm-hmm. I really like your stickers. My stepbrother gave them to me. He's in the Air Force. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? A menace to you! Well, you're not to associate with him again. What do you mean? Why? A deeply personal story about the strength of family, the complexity of friendship, and the generational pursuit of the American dream. Uh, Armageddon Time is another one of those movies coming out in the heart of what we shall call awards season. Um, It is interesting to me to continue to year after year, get to November and just be like, oh, now there's a million movies to watch. 
Like, can we not can we not play the system so much that I have to watch a million movies in a month? Can somebody please spread these out? Especially as we've just had two or three months where it's like, oh, uh, movies? Hello? Yes. Where are you? Echoes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Anyhow. Your life is hard, Aaron. It is so difficult. Please cry for me, Argentina. Uh, this is uh, Ar- Ar- Armageddon. <laughs> Armageddon Time uh, stars Anne, Hath- Anne Hathaway, uh, Jeremy Strong, uh, Anthony Hopkins. Uh, I, I don't think it stars Jessica Chastain. She is in there for a sentence or two. Um, and yeah. With it, Jessica Chastain. <laughs> yes, with Jessica Chastain. It's the latest from director James Gray. What did you guys think of this very personal coming-of-age tale from James Gray? Uh, did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Andrew, kick us off. I think I loved it. Oh, I think I loved it. All right. Very nice. Alice, what do you got? It was okay. It was just okay. All right. Aaron? Yeah. Hmm. Allow me to break the tie, shall I? <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm actually not going to break the tie. I'm kind of right in between you guys. I'm very... I'm a very middling liked it. Um, I think I could be talked down by Alice and talked up by Andrew. So this this will be this will be interesting oh, no. and fun. Um, I come away going, I think I liked it, but it's not strong, not strong uh, in that way. But Andrew, you loved it, so or I you did. said at least you think you loved it. So what are some things you really loved about it? Well, I'm I'm either loving it or I'm teetering on really liked it like so close Mm -hmm. to loved it but i don't know if i want to commit but i'll commit i loved it um i gotta start with my biggest pro why has anthony hopkins decided over like his like these final years he's like you know i'm just gonna give some of the greatest performances known to man you -hmm. know it started with the father and you know, because the man had been known for so long as Hannibal Lecter. And then, like, these last few movies that he's done, even including uh, Two Popes, he's, you know, he's just just flourished. And these performances that he's been giving over these last few years have been remarkable. I mean, this isn't as good as The Father, don't get me wrong. But this is a really remarkable performance by Anthony Hopkins here. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, um, the he just hasn't stopped working. That's the thing. Like if you look, if you mm. look at his, you know, filmography or whatever, from 2016 to 2022, he has been in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen movies. Odin's um, beard. <laughs> he is a working actor. Um, the two popes, I think he started a real run of awards performances, uh, like you mentioned with the, the two popes, uh, the father and now Armageddon time. Um, I'd but say even like- Westworld kind of started that like, Ooh. Sure. yeah, because that was, I think that was right before two popes and that was kind of like, oh yeah, Anthony Hopkins. And he did such a fantastic performance in season one he's one of the best parts of the show mm-hmm. um yeah. which is why it's sad when he <laughs> cannot come back um but then yeah and then after that because i think also right before that he'd done a transformers movie and then it was like oh no and then it's like oh no it's okay it's okay it was just a blip it's just a blip we're fine we're fine we're fine everybody's guys. okay everybody's okay he was picking up his lunch money that's all it was uh to- 2012, he did. He played Alfred Hitchcock in the movie Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. I thought that he was pretty impressive in that. Uh, I, was, I didn't see that one, so it is good. It's, I, I, I enjoy mean, it. 
as a Hitchcock fan, I loved it. But uh, mm. even if you're not a Hitchcock fan, I think you'll you'll find it interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Noah, as much as people don't like that movie, he's incredible in it as Methuselah. Um, so yeah, I do hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, I also correct. think his Odin is really great. Sure. Oh yeah, he's a really good Odin. Mm. Absolutely. He, it's it's funny because Anthony Hopkins is probably like five six five seven. And I know that there's some camera magic going on, but he still has the presence mm. and intimidation factor to where like actors like Chris Hemsworth, who are literally built like a god, it seems, mm-hmm. yeah. can be submissive around him. Like, you know who's in charge in the room. And that's just talent to pull that off. Did you know yeah. that he is also in a movie this year called The Son that is a sequel to The Father? Did you did you know this? Is this a bit or are you no, being serious? No, yeah. this is not a bit. This is Florian Wait, Zeller's fo- Florian Zeller's follow up to the father. Is called this unless unless IMDb is lying to me. Um, so yeah, <laughs> what? Dire- directed by Zeller. Um, it's uh, based on Zeller's stage play of the same name. Uh, serves as a follow up to 2020's The Father. It stars Hugh Jackman, Laura Dern, uh, Vanessa Kirby, Anthony Hopkins, and others. Um, so wild, very interesting. Is uh, what's her? F- okay. uh, I'm having a brain fart here. It's got Sorry. Hugh Jackman in it. Yeah, I, I literally is it a sequel? Is I mean, Olivia Coleman guy, in it? No, no, no. It's oh. a it's a different uh, cast. So again, other than uh, Anthony Hopkins. Um, interesting. So, yeah, I'll check that one out. Is it out yet? Or I don't believe so. It's one of the oh, million okay. movies I have to watch <laughs> by the next month. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, I don't know. Uh, all right, let's get back yeah, to Yeah, we got to get time. the show rolling because Aaron's got movies to watch. <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. right. Things to That's do. Right. Let's get through this, guys. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah. 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 Uh, I got screeners. I got I screeners. I have to say, sorry, his next film I'm actually really pretty excited for. It's called Freud's Last Session, and he plays Freud with uh, Matthew Goody playing C.S. Lewis. Mm. So that That's looks fun. really cool. Anyway. Back to Armageddon time. Yeah, sorry, Uh, Armageddon time. What movie? What? Uh, (laughs) So, Andrew, uh, you loved uh, Hopkins' performance. What else? I think it's an interesting coming-of-age tale because so many of these uh, coming-of-age stories, I'm just thinking like Stand By Me, uh, even even like some of the lighter movies like Goonies, you know, they, they kind of put a nice bow on the end of things. And it's interesting to seeing a coming of age tale that kind of leaves you in suspense and kind of a, uh, a, a, a feeling of concern for all the parties involved in this movie. I'm trying to be as, you know, subtle as I can without giving too much away, but sure. it, it, uh, it, it, it's, it's a way of showing that life doesn't always have to have a nice bow on the mm-hmm. end of things. Yeah. And, Seeing uh, what this young kid Paul gets up to in his life. By the way, the things uh, that uh, he, you know, does in his life, he would be obliterated for in my household, um, <laughs> especially yeah. at his age. Yeah. Um, I say that because I think it's funny. As I, I was leaving the theater, uh, actually with you, that's um, true. We were in the same showing last night. We yeah. were in because it was the only showing yesterday. <laughs> That's right. um, uh, I did hear some people as I was leaving, like, oh, "Wow, his family was kind of rough on him." And I'm like, 
I thought his family was kind of tame for a lot of the stuff that he was getting away with. Well, but, but there was aside from one scene, which was really hard to watch. Um, no, uh, th- that the scene that you're talking, scene. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that was a uh, that was light in my household. I'm I'll sorry, just say man. That. I'm sorry. No, no, honestly, it, honestly, trust me, trust me. I I know I got it a lot easier than a lot of people. Sure, um, sure. but uh. But seeing that scene, and um, maybe it's just, I'll just say, it's a spanking scene. And uh, it's a, what would some consider a violent spanking scene? Others would s- say, oh, that wasn't too bad. I always um, consider spanking, as I understand it, and we do not have to or want to get into this conversation right now. It is a bag <laughs> but, of worms, um, that is uh, for sure. I always consider it on the butt. Like, maybe that's a yeah. slaughter or spanking or something like that. Uh, when mm. you take I'd your belt off and whip somebody yeah. in the face, that is no longer a spanking, in my opinion. So I didn't see him hitting him in the face. I don't think that, it was, maybe well, I think because he was like, he was like, you know, yeah, he, I thought he was like hitting his him. Yeah, in in the arm or the back or something like that. Mm. Yeah, Anyhow, the face would yes. have been the face would have been something a different level. Um, mm. Like I said, we're really getting into a bag of worms <laughs> that we really don't have to here. But uh, I'll just uh, maybe expand it more generally. You know, like the things that uh, this young boy—he's really young to be getting into a lot of the things that he does. But he's. I don't know if he's misinterpreting or misconstruing like some of the life lessons, beautiful life lessons that Anthony Hopkins is giving him. Uh, there's there's the, the scene in the park that I think is my favorite scene in the entire movie, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Hopkins and this young boy Paul, uh, he he's just known as oh he does have a name Aaron right because uh, most of the time we just hear see him called Grandpa, mm-hmm. but I think I think that uh, that he has his name is actually Aaron. But when this grandpa and him are, are launching this rocket, it's they have this really beautiful, intimate moment talking about standing up for people. And uh, uh, whenever you see something being done wrong, uh, you need to stick up for your friends. And and it's it's a beautiful life lesson. But I love the fact that this movie, as it progresses, makes it evident that that's not always as simple as it seems. You know, sticking right. up for a friend who is dealing with racism and a society that has just been totally unkind to him. It's not as it's not as simple as always just sticking up for them. Sometimes, you know, life is complicated. And <laughs> I love that because you rarely see that in a coming of age film. Yeah, um, I will go on to say, in addition to Anthony Hopkins, I believe both Jeremy Strong and Anne Hathaway are giving incredible performances. Oh, in she's going to win Best Performing Act um, or Supporting Actress. You, you, you think so? You think so? I, I, I think that Anne Hathaway is going to be... Well, She obviously might get a nomination. Seen, I don't know about a win, though. Mm, I haven't seen everything coming out. I'm sure Aaron's seen <laughs> 30 movies that are... No, that I have a million for. movies to see in the next month. <laughs> Yeah. So, but for right now, of the movies that we have reviewed on this channel, I would say that Anne Hathaway would be the front runner for Best Supporting Actress. Okay. And, and Mark Strong's great, too. Oh, he's so good. Yeah, Jeremy Everybody's Strong. Jeremy Mark, Strong. Mark Strong would have been very interesting in that role as well. <laughs> that would have yes. been, Jer- yeah, I don't Jeremy know where Strong. I pulled that one. Jeremy Strong, yes, would have been. Uh, <laughs> the other uh, Strong. Mark he Strong gives a really great performance in Tar, by the way. Um, oh, so that's, maybe, maybe that's why I had maybe him that's why in my head. Your, yeah. On your mind. 
Mm. Uh, so yeah, I think the performances down the line are mm-hmm. really good in this. Um, mm. I think the emotion works for the most part because it feels authentic. If the if you can say one thing about this movie, it feels authentic because it feels so personal. And so everything yeah. about this movie feels real, like really, really real. And that's not always easy to do. So I give the movie uh, props for that. Uh, what are some of your thoughts, mm-hmm. Alice? Yeah, I, I I fully agree. I think my favorite performance actually in the entire film was Jeremy Strong. I thought his character so easily could have just been, you know, one or two dimensional. And I just think there's so many different layers where like <coughs> in one scene, you're like, oh, you're awful. And then the next scene, you're like, oh, that's, you know, for example, it, I think it's literally back to back where the dinner scene, he's really domineering and, you mm-hmm. know, very strong strict but then in the next scene he's waking up his child in this really like whimsical and lovely Mm -hmm. way and um and i just think yeah his whole character story was really really interesting to watch um and just in general i think that the relationship building and the between all the characters was by far my most favorite part like i think that all of them felt really developed. They felt like real people. Um, I didn't think that not I, any of them really were, you know, over the top or, or unrealistic. Like I really could latch onto them as characters and, um, yeah, and the relationships between them just was something I love to watch. But I also just wanted to highlight in terms of pros, you know, child actors always can be difficult sure. to find good ones. And I think both Banks Repeater, who played Paul, and Jalen Webb, who played, uh, was it John? Is his name Johnny? No, not, not mm-hmm. Johnny, yeah. Johnny and Paul, I think they were really good. Like, I think there's so much dimension going on with their relationship in particular, where I wasn't quite sure, you know, at any point, there's so many different layers going on beneath their performance and, you know, the, the building of this friendship and what's happening, but also. So it against this kind of socio-political climate. I liked how it would, you know, every now and again, there'd be the sprinkle of like, oh yeah, it's the real world, isn't it? Because it'd be like mm-hmm. Reagan, Trump, and it'd be like, mm-hmm. what? And then, but yeah, I really, really enjoyed um, Banks and Jalen, um, Jalen's performances. I think that they have a lot of potential to be really, really great, like have really great careers beyond mm-hmm. this. And so that was, yeah, that's a couple of my pros for certain was in the performances and in the character development. Yeah, I, it's it's not easy to get great performances out of kids. And I really think that these performances were, were really, really good. And... Mm-hmm captured something that's really hard to capture, which is the authenticity of a smart aleck uh, as a kid. Like, even movies where kids do really good at that, I'm thinking of, like, uh, the kid that was supposed to be a younger Ryan Reynolds in that uh, 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 sci-fi movie. Yeah, in... In um, uh, Adam Adam Project. Adam Adam Project, Project, right? Like, even in that instance... Percy Jackson. Yeah, okay, well, there you go. Well, even (laughs) even in a case like that, you go, oh, that kid's funny, that's good, Mm -hmm. but it still feels very scripted. It still feels Mm -hmm. like he's saying jokes that Ryan Reynolds wrote for him. Yes, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. In here, it feels like the way kids are smart, Alex. You know what I mean? Where it's not even funny or clever it's just i'm a kid and i have this thought and i'm gonna say this thought and do this thought and i'm getting dumplings and you know oh my gosh i i would have i can't believe like i would have been harsher than his parents i would have ripped the phone off the wall that's the bit where i was like are you because this is what i mean i think that it was so well done because as an adult he frustrated me so much Mm -hmm. i was like you 
awful little <laughs> child. Like you would be grounded. Yeah. You would mm-hmm. never be allowed to eat anything except for scrod. Like it was just so frustrating to watch him, which was what it was supposed to be as an adult. And yet at the yeah. same time, you mm. feel empathy for the familial situation and you realize that the relationship he has with his grandfather is the purest relationship because it's the only relationship he has with somebody who is meeting him on his own terms. Like he is, his parents don't meet him on his own terms. His parents are concerned with their lives. They're concerned with, you know, what's going on in what it means to them as a parent that their kid does this, what it means, you know, in those ways. By the way, this is a very natural human tendency. It's not as if that makes them terrible people. It's just he is not being met on his own terms by anybody but his grandfather. And that's why it's so beautiful and why he's able to have actual conversations with his grandfather, because they're having actual conversations where they listen to each other and think about what each other are saying. And he doesn't get that really anywhere else, Um, except except maybe Johnny, you know, except for like a friend Mm. his age. Um, So... Yeah, I really, I really thought the movie did that well. I thought it, it felt very authentic, uh, authentically child um, in those moments. So, so where yeah. did this movie fall short for you guys? It's a great question, uh, Alice. You want to, you want to start? What are some of your cons? Uh, I just, I got to the end of the film and. I understand that it's a deeply personal story. Like, I understand that James Gray clearly... And I read that this is based on a situation that actually happened to him as a child. Um, And I just... It felt to me... And I mean, I say this as a white female. It felt Mm. to me like white guilt personified in a movie where Mm. I understand where it came from, but I, I just felt like it missed the mark in the way it would explore it could have it could have explored these themes and the the socio-political you know situation at the time i understand that it was trying to limit it to a very personal story but it just kind of felt like he's been feeling really bad about this for years and now he's made a movie about how he's felt really bad about this for years um and so there were these and and this is where it fell short for me was because it felt like it was just always almost touching on some really interesting themes and some really interesting, you know, explorations of character and of story. And it just never quite spent enough time developing it. Like, I feel like, especially with that final situation at the end, and then it just kind of finishes. And I was just like, oh, okay, we're just going to, we're just going to leave it there. Interesting. And so that, that's the part that I struggled with the most because I think that there there could have been so much more explored there. And instead, I feel like it was severely limited. I had a lot of the exact same feelings. And it does have a lot to do with the idea of how we are used to how stories are told, how they are resolved, what you know, mm. characters, what protagonists go through. And this movie wasn't as interested in those things. I respect that. I really do. I think it's important for people to be able to tell stories, especially one this personal. And I give this movie a lot of grace. That's why I'm still in the liked it category. I give this movie a lot of grace for being such a personal story. But you are absolutely correct as you watch this movie. If you watch it separated from the idea that this is somebody telling their own story, if you just watch it as a movie, this is a movie that never fully grapples with the things it's trying to put on screen, Um, Mm -hmm. especially the racial element. Uh, It never fully allows us to understand how either Johnny or Paul 
come through this with a new understanding of what their race means to them, how how it gives Paul privilege, uh, how it uh, does the opposite for Johnny. The movie shows us some of Mm. those things and shows it to to us fairly well, but it doesn't show us how it changes the characters per se. And that is that is something I longed for. Does it make it mm-hmm. wrong or bad that the movie didn't give me something I longed for? No, it just impacts my overall experience uh, yeah. watching the movie. I want I wanted a little bit more from the movie in that regard. To to you don't have to tie up every loose end, but show me something Paul more. learned about that final mm. you know thing and and how that you know, change this. Now I think it's trying to do that at the dance, but it, but it doesn't, there's, yeah. there's nothing. It's all that says to me is he's like, yeah, I don't dig this vibe. That's all that <laughs> says to me. Like there's, you know, there's no, I don't there's know. There's no there's exploring no, what that decision was. Like right, you just kind of, right, yeah. Right. It's just and, kind and it of does the, it in other places too. You know, you, mm. You have you you have Fred and Marianne Trump show up uh, show up. Yeah. Uh, Which I was like, hello, okay. Do- Donald's parents, and I'm sure, and yeah. I'm sure they're they are there because mm. this is part of his true story that they mm-hmm. you know came to his school at one point and and gave a speech or whatever. But the movie makes such a big deal about them being there, mm. and then doesn't really tell us why. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really go into depth about how that impacted Paul in one way or another. Um, so I think I don't yeah. think it's meant for the characters. I think it's meant for us. Well, and that's I what I'm saying. That, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah, I think it's like, this is the level of school that Paul is at now where he has speakers come and, uh, whether it was an actual family member, the Trumps, you know, who came to his school, James Gray school, whenever he mm-hmm. was younger. I think the idea, like you said, is to, you know, make the audience aware and to have like a precedent set of what is expected and what are the possibilities of this school. If you mm-hmm. have speakers like um, the, uh, was she, was she the attorney general, uh, Mary? Yeah. Uh, Trump? Uh, I think something so. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. So it's meant for us, not for the kids. Mm-hmm. See, and I, I get that. <clears throat> for me, it was also like on, t- like going off what you guys have just said. For example, the Reagan element. So I was reading up afterwards as to why it's called Armageddon Time was because of the whole Reagan element. Mm-hmm. And the f- yeah, and there's a speech it, where he gives that phrase. He yeah. uses that phrase. Yeah. Yeah, and how basically I read that in an interview, James Gray said that it was representative of the fact that when he won, everyone thought that there was going to be, you know, like nuclear war and the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And, right. you know, I think at one, yeah, Reagan said at some point that homosexuality was going to be the reason why the world ended. And there was just this constant environment mm-hmm. of fear that was, you know, and the fact that he won was, I guess, in a way very similar to maybe when Trump won. And it's like, oh, what does this mean for the world? And I didn't get any of that from the movie as a non-American. I feel like potentially there's a lot mm. missing from my con because I know about Reagan and I know about you know general things of America because it's impossible because the Western world has been so Americanized for so long. But n- no offense, guys. Um, but <laughs> hey, we, we we see it too. We're, we're see- we don't have. I apologize. Too. It was my no. doing. Uh, yeah, I led a committee to Americanize the world, and I apologize. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Aaron was but, like, hey, who is that film actor? Uh, Reagan? Yeah, let's make him president. Yes. The president, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But I feel like that was so interesting for me to read, you know, later on, where I was like, oh, I didn't feel that in the movie. And I didn't have the context of just understanding, oh, Reagan equals this. Because from a, at least from my perspective and, and my sort of area of society i just think of reagan as like the guy that was really tough on drugs and was really conservative and he used to be an actor that's pretty much the frame of reference i have this whole idea of armageddon and armageddon time and this this whole kind of atmosphere of fear is not something that i automatically knew and so i just it's something that i would have loved to have seen explored more beyond the parents being like ah these are idiots so what what's the world coming to you know well let me let me tell you i'm almost on the same page as you because that's not you know and i grew up in a conservative home that isn't that was not my experience of the reagan years either was like i never heard any talk about you know uh reagan bringing the world to end uh he was as far as I could tell, one of our most loved presidents we've ever had, like, at least when it was <laughs> happening, it seemed like everybody loved the guy. Uh, Orbachev, tear down oh. his wall. <laughs> there you go. So, so, and having grown up and, uh, you know, seen some other uh, opinions from, and I think rightfully so, um, based on some of his things that he said and things that he did as president, mm-hmm. totally understand Uh, I can see it differently. But this movie, again, throws it out and then doesn't really do anything with it. And it's the Mm -hmm. title of the movie. So the the movie, listen, I I actually like this. The movie is asking us to do a lot of the work. It's just it's asking us to just process these things as a slice of life during a slice of time. Feel how we want to feel about them. Think about how we want to think about them. And go our merry way. I am just too much of a story lover. I'm like, mm-hmm. tell me a story. Tell me a story. Yeah. Tell and and this movie isn't as interested in telling you a story as it is giving you a feel for the reality of of this yeah. person's life. Yeah. Not telling a story, showing a moment. Yeah. 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 And then you can make a story up from these moments. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, I think Do this- the work. <laughs> And I don't, like Aaron said, I don't mind a movie every now and then that asks me to do work or for me to Mm -hmm. interpret how I see fit or to take the story and imagine how it ends. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and allow me to clarify, it's not like I was thinking a lot about politics when Reagan was president. Uh, He got elected when I was five. And so, uh, you know, that was five to 13. Reagan was president during my life. So, you know. Yeah, um, I only caught the last couple years so, of Reagan, yeah. so he was already established. I think when I was born, established. there was a bush. I'd, I'd yes. and, yeah. yeah, And like Aaron, um, I did grow up in a Reagan-loving house, so I, mm-hmm. I also didn't have that. Uh, well, and I don't that, think, again, I will state, I don't think that's uncommon. I mean, he won in a landslide, mm. like in 84. Like, it was crazy how many electoral votes he got that's so so interesting because the movie makes me think it was like being you know oh it was a fight and it was a battle and and also um a very interesting phrasing that james gray used in this interview was he said it created (coughs) generational trauma for children at that time and so that's when i was like what are you talking about i don't know what i didn't see this in the movie and i certainly don't know this from like history but well like cold war fear was yeah you know he, yeah, it, is this yes? Reagan in eighty four 
got all but 13 of the electoral votes. He only lost Minnesota because it was Mondale's home state. Uh, So every state in the United States of America, (laughs) most people voted for for Reagan. So, Well, electoral college and people voting are two different things. Okay. Reagan had 54 million (laughs) votes. Mondale had 37 million. I mean, it was, it was, it was crazy. We, I mean. So he won. (laughs) Yeah. So. American yes. voting is weird. It is weird. It is absolutely I weird. Agree. Again, know, it, I agree. And again, I don't say that to everyone... say he was an amazing president. I say mm-hmm. that to offer context to you, somebody you yes. know who's watching this and going, oh, and and but I think it's good because certainly there were many homes like this. I mean, there were 37 million people that voted for Mondale. So, you know, that there were pl- millions of homes like this. And I think it's, you mm-hmm. know, uh, important to look at it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, anything we else? A, we Any got a finals? big storm of brewing out here, Aaron. Oh, nice. Well, I hope you uh, keep your electricity. Yeah, me too. You too. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you live miles and miles and miles away from me. I'm in the bunker, so I don't even know what's going on. That's outside. true. Um, yeah. yeah. I am. Uh, final thoughts on Armageddon time. Uh, one last nope. thing. No post credit scene. <laughs> Unfortunately, I wanted, I wanted one. I wanted more. Yeah. Can you imagine? Um, <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I think I'm ready for a coming of age, personal coming of age story, not set in the late, you know, 70s, early 80s, and in the, you know, middle class uh, American neighborhood. Like, I'm ready for something else. It's one. Yeah, that would be a boring movie. <laughs> I imagine. Uh, I I, I uh, pr- present to you, Lady Bird. Uh, that's I would present to you, Lady Bird. Ah, uh, yes. So others, it, it's uh, just like the that. female version of that. It's not the same time period. Lady Bird is not oh, the yeah. same time period. Um, I know it is, but it does feel. So you're like wanting like a '90s sort. kind of coming of age. Oh, just not like 90s set. middle class. Or even just now. Like, you know, there's this coming of age now is very interesting. Especially I'll get tech. you I'll get you a list. As somebody who watches <laughs> a million movies every November, uh yeah. there there are definitely uh I mean more... I've seen them. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I've seen plenty. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just I think that for some reason in my in my mind, you know, this and like licorice pizza and a few are quite close together and like mm-hmm. in terms of Sing recent Street. releases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 Sing Street, hey. that sort of thing. Don't Which bring that I have to say, yet. I do love that. At least does something different. I'm just, uh-huh. I am also a very, very story led person, and so whenever mm-hmm. it's like, it's just things are happening and nothing really happens, I'm always like, oh, okay, yep, good. I think well, there are. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I was just gonna do my one last thing, but go ahead. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, before we move on, then I love the fact that this movie uh, does show like the imagination of a kid. You know, like there's mm. the scenes where like. He's have, excuse me. He's having his uh, painting. Yeah, of the his Guggenheim super, scene is so at the good. Guggenheim. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It kind of felt like a, a Christmas story, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know where he's like, uh, the Guggenheim is his Red Rider BB gun, sort mm-hmm. of a thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, I think I would say the uh, police interrogation scene I think is the strongest uh, scene in the movie, other than the park bench, which I think is also strong that you mentioned, uh, Andrew. Mm. And I really liked uh, Dominic Lombardozzi, uh as mm. the police officer there. I thought that was a really well done performance and it touched on white privilege and I thought just exactly the right amount. It had the recipe, I think, more right than even the rest of the mm. movie did on um, you know presenting to us the the disparity and what happens in the conversation he has with his dad in the car after that I thought was yeah. you know really good so 
Um, so that would Strong's be my so one good. last thing. Yes, yes. agree. Yes. So is Mark Strong. So is Mark Strong as well. You're yeah. absolutely right. All right, let us move on to the next movie. Uh, guys, let's talk a little bit about Weird. I'm tired of people thinking I'm some kind of joke. Your dad and I agreed it would be best if you just stop being who you are and doing the things you love. My whole life, all I wanted. I'm afraid we found your son at a polka party. Just to make up new words to a song that already exists. Oh, well, you should do that then. Oh, my little hungry one, hungry one, open up a package of my banana. Dude, I've got chills. Exploring every facet of Weird Al Yankovic's life, from his meteoric rise to to fame with early hits like Eat It and Like a Surgeon, to his torrid celebrity love affairs and famously depraved lifestyle. This biopic takes audiences on a truly unbelievable journey through Yankovic's life and career, from gifted child prodigy to the greatest musical legend of all time. Uh, Weird is written and produced by Weird Al with uh, some help from um, the uh, director of the movie as well. I think worked with uh, some of the writing too, Eric Appel. And uh, Daniel Ratcliffe is Weird Al. Evan Rachel Wood comes in as Madonna. Rain Wilson playing Dr. Demento. Um, some other people you might know in there with some cameos and some fun performances as well. Uh, this is very much a Weird Al movie. Uh, and uh, I can't wait to talk about it. Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Andrew, kick us off. I have to give, I'm just going to go and say I beyond loved it. I absolutely <laughs> loved it. But I don't know if it's my Weird Al bias going into this. Like just seeing everything that I absolutely love from my childhood being put on screen. But for now, I'm just going to say beyond loved it. Absolutely loved it. Alice. I I think I'm very close to loved it. I would say I'm just going to like very, very high end of really, really liked it. I might need a couple of rewatches maybe to end on loved it, but extremely <clears throat> positive feelings all around. Uh, I, too, don't know how to separate my Weird Al bias uh, from my feelings on this movie. Uh, we often talk on Sif Pop. We are not ashamed of our biases. Uh, our yeah. biases are a part of what it means to be human. Uh, we should accept them. Uh, we don't have to apologize for them. I will not apologize for it here. I loved this movie so, so much. Uh, I I have been waiting for 40 years uh, since, or 35 years or whatever, since UHF, UHF uh, yeah. came out for Weird Al to do another movie. And I have not been left wanting. Everything I love about his sense of humor is here. Um, I think it is clever. I think it is um, audacious. I think it is funny. Uh, I just, I think this movie, I, I want to watch it again right now. I just want to yes. put it on and watch it again, like at this very second. Um, it is such a fun conceit and concept. It's only the way he could do it. When I when I saw him uh, live in concert with uh, my son, we went and saw the the symphony tour. This is where he took a symphony around with him to help him play his songs and stuff, and it was a blast. And uh, there was one part, and I think he's done this on other tours, where he plays a trailer, a movie trailer, for his biopic, and it is this movie. Like it is, like it literally could be a trailer for this movie. It wouldn't surprise me if they put scenes from that fake trailer into this movie 
on purpose because it's so perfect. And I just remember watching that and going, I want to see that movie. And guys, I saw that movie. It was amazing. It was <laughs> are, so Are you fun. talking about the original Aaron Paul Funny or Die skit? It might be. It might be. And they may have just played that on the uh, yeah. on the stage uh, because during one of the breaks. Yeah. From that what I understand. could be. Yeah. That's from what, what I understand, on, Weird yeah. Al did a Funny or Die bit, like a 10-minute bit. And uh, with Aaron Paul playing him, that was mm. kind of, you know, loosely based around the whole Madonna thing going on in this movie. And uh, yeah, and then so many people were like, hey, we want a movie of this. We want a movie. And then mm-hmm. after 10 years, he's like, fine, I'll make a movie. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's exactly it. That had to be it. Um, yeah. Uh, Andrew, you also loved it. What are some of uh, some of your thoughts? Um, well, I just got to let everybody know right now. Every single song that came up in this movie, I knew all the words too. So I was like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I was just singing everything. Growing up, I had the the Coolio hairstyle cut out for the Amish Paradise. You know, I had an entire life size cardboard cut out of Weird Al in my room. So just so everybody knows where my biases are, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Daniel Radcliffe is so perfect for this. So uh, he's so good. But before I get to him. The, my big pro that I have to say about this movie is the fact that this movie knew exactly what it needed to be. Because the man for 40 plus years has been doing parodies of famous songs, and now he is doing a parody of famous musical artist biopics. You know, it's so ridiculous, and it's so him it is so weird, Al. And that's and that's what saves it too from being a copy of other parodies of biopics we've seen. I mean, Walk Hard is a funny movie. Like it, yeah. It you like you know you could you can see some of the same DNA in those two movies. But this is a completely different movie than Walk Hard because it's so completely Weird Al, and it's got his yes. sensibilities, and it's it's willing like the Weird Al thing is it really is the embracing of what it means. Just to be me. Like, the, I find this joke funny. I find this thing funny. Um, yeah. I, I don't have to uh, imitate anybody else's idea of what is cool or, you know, what is funny. And you can feel that all over this movie. It's just willing to do whatever it wants and not in a bad way. Like, it it still feels cohesive. It feels mm-hmm. interesting. It never loses you. There's always a laugh around the corner. But there's always something that's drawing you to the next scene. Um, yeah, it's really done, really well done in that way. Uh, Alice, what are some of your uh, thoughts? Yeah, it's a completely original, 100% not ripped off song, uh, not parody. It's completely original. Oh, sorry, movie, <laughs> I, was, I should say. I was, yeah, I movie. was dying. I was <laughs> dying. I was laughing so hard. Which I will say, yeah, so I, I really enjoyed it. And I was saying to Aaron before the show, I'm actually not a Weird Al fan in that, like, I'm not not a fan fan like I enjoy when I've heard it I've enjoyed it but I don't listen actively to his stuff I haven't Mm -hmm. grown up with it it's very been in the peripheral of my like my consuming vision but Mm -hmm. I so happen to be involved with uh, one of the biggest Weird Al fans in the entire world which is my partner Mm -hmm. who has made the reason I've heard his songs is because when we go on road trips sometimes he also gets to pick the music and he always picks a Weird Al I think I've listened to Poodle Hat like you know 10 times because of Mm -hmm. that and so he knows 
all the the songs and the words and he's um watched he went to see him in concert too and he's grown up on Weird Al and so he was extremely excited for this movie as well and I think that my watching experience was elevated watching it with him because a he could not stop laughing the entire movie and so I was having a really good time too but also there were some definitely some moments which were funnier if you had Weird Al knowledge and I didn't and so he was able to be like oh this is you know this is really good because you know the whole eat it beat it joke because I was like oh what like I was kind of like oh that's funny but I don't fully get it and then he explained to me the the fact that you know Weird Al always asks for permission and the only person to deny him permission has been Michael Jackson and hence the joke and I was like oh that makes this so much funnier and so yeah, yeah I really really loved the the comedy I enjoyed the experience even it did give me an insight into Weird Al, ironically enough, even though it is totally a true story and not at all not true. Um, oh, yeah. And then, One of the most authentic uh, biopics I've ever seen. Yeah, especially that ending. I was like, yep, that is 100% what's happened, even though was, Weird Al is, I was is so in the movie. <laughs> exactly. But um, And then I will also say, yeah, to the point of Daniel Radcliffe, like he, I love Daniel Radcliffe as a performer. Obviously... Everybody knows my obsession with Harry Potter, but I've just loved his career beyond that because he's he's gone beyond the not wanting to be typecast. The films he picks, the roles he chooses, he's so gro- good at what he does. Like, he's such a fantastic actor, and the way he commits to the role was so amazing to see. And I will also say his workout routine deserves like five stars in and of itself. Cause I was like, Whoa, you have committed son. <laughs> yeah. He got shredded to play weird owl. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> I know, which makes sense. Cause from what I understand, weird owl like is pretty fit. So again, things I understand from my partner, but yeah, I, I have to say, I really loved the comedy and the cameos. I was, it felt like, um, <laughs> It felt like I was watching a Lonely Island movie from t- like time to time in a good way. Well, every single like, Lonely Island movie or member is in like well, I guess I Andy Samberg. Andy wasn't. Samberg, I don't think is in it, but yeah. I was. Yeah, that whole scene in the pool, like the pool party scene, I was like, because it was awesome both from the actors playing, like in, having the cameos, but also who they were portraying. Where I was like, yes. who, is, so- who was your favorite? Who was your favorite? Who was your favorite uh, combination of actor and who they were it's- playing? Easily Conan O'Brien as Andy Warhol. Okay. Easily Conan okay. O'Brien. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Jack Black was, oh, it was hilarious to me. I love it. Oh. I would go with Paul F. Tompkins as uh, Gallagher. I thought that was <laughs> hilarious. Um, mm. So, yeah. But that's oh, the thing. And then the Roger Deacon. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, I, I'm, I'm, I play, I'm the bass player for Queen. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, but I would love, we're, like, we're you doing could... this small show called Live Aid at Wembley. Do you want to join? <laughs> yeah. Hard the... pass. No. <laughs> okay. The rest of the, the rest of the uh, podcast will just be us quoting this movie that we've only seen once. How great a sign is that for the yeah. movie that you've seen it once and you're already quoting lines from it? Um, it yeah. is. It is so quotable. Like, I just love at the beginning, the parents just being like, we just want you to not do what you love and stop being who you are. <laughs> so good. Well, you have Emo Phillips, who's playing the Salvador Dali character, mm-hmm. who I love yeah. that they gave su- uh, subtitles for. Yeah. I love seeing I love seeing him because he's been involved with Weird Al so many times. You know, like yes. he was a big part of UHF. Yeah, he was in UHF. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah. Have you ever seen UHF, Alice? 
Yes. No, of course I have. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. My, All right. pa- my partner right. made your me watch it. Your brother, I mean, your partner would not allow otherwise. <laughs> not my yeah. brother. Definitely not my brother. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, he made me watch it a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So good. No. So good. Uh, other thoughts. Other thoughts. Who wants to go next? Uh, Andrew, you got anything else in the chamber? Okay. So let's break down. Because I'm curious, especially from Alice's point of perspective, so I guess instead of me, I'm just going to ask a question to Alice. So <laughs> there are so many bits of this, like where Aaron and I, we know uh, what part is parody and what part isn't. Mm-hmm. Are there parts of this movie where you're like, which which of this is true? I mean, you get to the parts like Pablo Escobar and stuff like, and you know that that's <laughs> I assume obviously that true. Didn't happen. You obviously true. You know that's. Obviously I don't think true. Madonna took over for Pablo Escobar. I, I mean, it could. I'm not sure. You're reading like, the wrong history books, Alice. Yeah. yeah the wrong, let me let me Which, enlighten you. Can I also say Evan Rachel Wood? <clears throat> like considering I've just been so entrenched in her in Westworld for so long, it's so mm-hmm. much fun to watch her just be completely ridiculous in this movie, and I think she does yeah. such a great job. Um. Yeah, I mean, again, it was handy to have Toby with me because he was like, oh, this actually happened, like with the traveling salesman. Again, I assume certain elements of that were highly exaggerated. (laughs) Sure hope so. (laughs) I I very hope so. And so he'd point out moments here or there. um, And I do know that this is interesting as well to me. From my perspective, I really, really, really enjoyed this movie. I also, though, learning now, having learned a bit more about Weird Al's actual life, I'd Think I'd like to actually see a Weird Al biopic because I think he's had a really interesting career, <laughs> like an actual one, like the the whole record contract element, and you know the the going up. Obviously, I'm talking in like you know 50 years once this film's been you know played a million and a half <laughs> times. But um, yeah, it was it, I I I wasn't really able to separate it. I mean, I could assume that maybe some things felt more real than others, but it was just handy to literally have someone be like, "Oh, this actually happened." Oh, this actually happened. So that was pretty much how I was able to discern. <laughs> I loved this movie straight from the beginning. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the moment where I locked in, I was like, oh, it's going to be one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah. Uh, was the moment he walked into the polka party and <laughs> oh just. My all- <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and they're all just playing polka. The cops are coming. <laughs> It's, it's so, so stupid. Good. This it's is so what I mean. The good. whole movie, the whole movie, I was like, "This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen." But I and he doesn't stop care. Why? Because it. it's stupid yeah. and funny. It's stupid yeah. and funny. That's the whole thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the photoshopped no. oh images at the end, I just oh. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. Not to, not to steal on? your thunder uh, for no. your one last thing, uh, Andrew. No. But I would highly <laughs> recommend. Sticking around for the <laughs> entire credits. Uh, yeah. there, there is not only an amazing take on, okay, now the movie's going to show you the real pictures. Amazing take on that. The the song, uh, Don't Think You Can Stop Me, by the way, from trying to nominate this song for best, uh, best song uh, of the year. Uh, the Now You Know song that plays at mm. the end is so good and so funny. Um, yeah, stick, stick around for the entirety of the credits. Um, yeah. <laughs> won't be sorry that you did. Um, I think so, the yeah. scene that, uh, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love the poker party. Like, it was magic on screen. Mm-hmm. But I think I think it was the Tom Lennon, uh, Toby Huss uh, altercation. Mm-hmm. And, then, yeah, sure. and then him sitting down with his mom, who is Julian <laughs> Nicholson, right? Who played yeah. his mom? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
loved her in Itania, and uh, mm-hmm. she did. I'm trying to think of the other thing she did that I was like, mm. oh, she's amazing. But anyway, uh, where she sits down with him while t- while Tom Lennon is just there is. <laughs> m- Oh, it was. That's when I locked into this movie, and I'm like, okay, this is going to be everything I needed it to be. Mm-hmm. So, what what's what's really interesting about the Julianne Nicholson performance for me is, I just saw her play the serious version of a role like this in the um, in uh, Marilyn Monroe movie in mm. Blonde. She's like the the bad mom in, yeah, in Blonde. Yeah, it's it's so it's so weird to think now she's <laughs> playing and and again this is more of the like supportive mom but you know the unsupportive dad trope yeah you know kind of thing but just that she was in an actual biopic uh, as a mom this year as well is really interesting to me um, yeah I also so, yeah, love that it. they just don't age the parents <laughs> I just like, <laughs> it just like goes from small yeah. child to Daniel Radcliffe and they're exactly the same and there's yeah. just no like like pointing out of it or anything like that oh and I mean Rain Wilson as Dr. Demento oh my god it's just he, I love Rain Wilson as an actor, and so yeah. like just seeing him in the, and also um his whole band because again that's another thing where Toby's like he's actually had the same band his whole career, mm-hmm. and I was like that's yeah. really cool to because that's super rare as well, and um and also I, the fact that one of the band members is the kid from Unbreakable, and I was like different <laughs> different role for you there, mate. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, Spencer Clark. Yeah, yeah, he was also in just- Gladiator too. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I was just like, you're normally a much more serious like character. So it's really mm-hmm. nice to just watch them be like, oh, you know, oh, I didn't know you guys could play. Oh, it didn't seem relevant until now. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> we actually haven't talked about Weird Al in yeah. this movie. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the, the, the actual actor Weird the Al. Yeah, okay. The actual Weird Al. We haven't talked about yeah. that he's actually in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that because he's he has that scene with Tom. Is it? Uh, no, it's... Uh, uh, Will Forte. Uh, Will Forte. Yeah. Who, yeah, that guy's just one of my favorites. So mm-hmm. both of those scenes are great. This movie's <laughs> great. It, there's nothing wrong with it. It's absolutely perfect. <laughs> well, that leads me into, do you have any negatives? Uh, I guess we'll start with you, Alice, since you were the one that uh, liked it the least. Why do you yeah, hate this movie, Alice? Least. Yeah, why is it your? Why do you hate this movie so much? I hate it so much. No, um, it's look like I said. If you're not a massive fan of Weird Al, there are definitely some elements you're gonna miss. So I highly recommend if you're gonna watch it, watch it with someone who is because that'll elevate the experience. I don't think I would have laughed nearly as much if I didn't have Toby next to me, and I did feel. As we were getting, you know, in that sort of third act that maybe it was like a tad too long. Like it was just a. I, I understand you guys might not feel this way, but from my perspective, it was just kind of like, oh, we've still got, you know, a, a good amount of time left. And I, I feel like this could have been maybe. Not uh, long enough. Three hours, four <laughs> hours. Let's go. It's just especially I think the Madonna element. I was just like, maybe we could have just tighten that a little bit more but honestly i didn't like not enjoy it it just i could i felt the time i hadn't felt the time the entire movie until that sort of area but mm-hmm. that's kind sure. of all i have it's literally everything else i just i had a really good time it's a really fun time like mm-hmm. yeah you're gonna have fun watching this one yeah the best part is the fact that weird owl has said he's only met madonna once 
backstage <laughs> at like a VMA awards and he said hi to her and she said, Oh, you did the the uh like a surgeon and he's like, Yeah, yeah. and apparently that's the extent of their relationship. <laughs> and where I wonder this... how she feels about this movie. Yeah. I wonder how Madonna <laughs> feels about I this movie. I actually am really curious too. Hopefully she has she has a good somebody sense of will humor ask about her. it. Yeah, somebody will seek yeah. her out and ask her, surely. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. I assume she'll like like I feel like she does have a relative sense of humor, so you I, I it and her character is interesting. Like it's not ironically enough, it's not super one note. I think that she has some really interesting turns where you're just like, okay, guess this is how where'd the scar come from? <laughs> like it's just yeah. so random. And the iPad. Yeah. Well <laughs> actually, um the weird owl bump is mm. a real thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's mm. it's not just, like, a thing for this movie. It's an actual... Like, obviously, they make it an extreme in this movie, but the Weird Al bump is an actual thing that people talk about in the music industry. So. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Oh, and that's another part I thought was really funny, and it was so random, was when Madonna first sees the news uh, report about the Weird Al bump, and it's showing the albums that have since, like, gone back up the chart, but then for some reason the Queen album is this awful, you know, like, drawing version of the album, but all the other ones are normal albums, and I was like, that's so rest Again, it's so stupid, mm-hmm. but it was so funny to me. Anyway, I just wanted to mention yeah. that. That was funny. You can go back and watch this movie so many times, I imagine, mm-hmm. and just pick up different Easter eggs and stuff, yeah. and things that you'll love. Yeah. I plan too. on it. I plan on it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, I know what I'm doing tonight, I'm going to watch it again. Andrew, <laughs> did you have anything negative in the negative column you wanted to mention? I, it's weird. I'm sure that there's things that <laughs> it are is wrong weird. with it. Is it is very weird? It yeah. Is, that's okay. Movie, <laughs> it, it's strange. strange. No, that's a different movie. That's Mar- That's a oh, Marvel movie. Dang it! I can't. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that there are things in this movie that I that normally I would consider a negative, yeah. but considering this movie is trying to be so ridiculous, that's the things that I normally would be upset by are the things that I cherish. So mm-hmm. it's difficult, but I can't think of anything right now that I'm like, no, I didn't, I didn't like that. It's not a perfect movie, uh, but I can't really think of anything right now that's worth mentioning. Maybe it is a perfect movie. Did you ever stop to consider that? Maybe it is actually a perfect movie. Um, I mean, I it definitely uh, succeeds in doing what it sets out to do. That's mm-hmm. what I was just going to say. It's so it's so hard for me when I fall in love with a movie like this that uh, and in the movie is so clearly exactly the movie that it wants mm-hmm. to be. Um, it's so hard for me to find negative things to uh, to say about it because, like you mentioned. Could I talked about could I talk about maybe some performances that weren't great acting? I guess I could, but they mm. sure work in the scene, whether they're yeah. incredible yeah. actors or not. Like uh so like Conan O'Brien, for instance, he's not a great actor. Like he's not one of our greatest <laughs> screen <laughs> actors of all time. But he sure does he work in that though. scene. Yeah. Um so, so like I just <sighs> I have yeah. a hard time. I have a hard time seeing through the Yankovic colored glasses and yeah. trying to figure out. I will out say this: this is the perfect mm-hmm. film for Weird Al Yankovic. Like when I remember when it was announced, and I was talking to Toby about it, and he was like, "Oh, I really." He was really worried about it because he was worried it was going to be an actual biopic, and you know, it was going to tell the story. And he's like, "I really just, I don't want it to be missing his humor. I don't. I want it to be." 
to personify Weird Al and he was worried it was going to be too serious mm. and, and not quite right. And so then when I realized that it was going to be what it was and I told him about it and that there was also going to be an original song in it, I've never seen a person's eyes light up more. And so I just feel like this is the perfect, like I said, this is the perfect film for a Weird Al fan. This is a Weird Al movie. It is his story ish in the way he wants to tell it. Like it, it's Weird Al through and through. If you like Weird Al, you will like this movie. It's as simple as that. I, I, I guess maybe I'd echo something you said, Alice, mm-hmm. as possibly a negative, but it's not yeah. because the the <laughs> negative would be I want more. Yeah. Um, but there is a place, as you mentioned, for an actual exploring of things I don't mm-hmm. know about Weird Al, like the actual Weird Al. Mm-hmm. Like there, there is, and maybe he that maybe he's saying with this movie, guys, there's really nothing behind the curtain. I'm really <laughs> boring, you know. Maybe he's saying that, but I don't think you can have the success that he's had. And I think the story can be how boring he is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's you know, I think there is is possibly yeah. something there. Um, and you know, the movie makes a brilliant choice about where it ends. I, I love how this movie ends. I think so it's stupid. so stupid and so smart at the same time, Yeah. but there Which is part is of me that's out. like, no, I want more. Yeah. No, no, like we can't end here. I want more. Uh, so is that a negative? No, it's actually not. But you know, there, there is, you know, something about like this movie. I would. I, I I like that I have this, and now I would also like the the accurate yes. version of it. I want both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe that's just maybe that's just more of a documentary of some sort, you know, or limited I mean, I'd documentary or, or some something like that. Um, mm. Maybe there isn't a lot to you know dr- dramatize. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, but anyhow, yeah, that's all I can. I just of. thought of something I could possibly say as a negative. <laughs> possibly, Scouring it's the, the most. The most minor negative of all. I I guess I'm just curious what would it have sounded like if Daniel Radcliffe actually sang the songs. Yeah. But again, I think that was on purpose, right? Like it was, yeah. again, well, I mean, it's definitely elements. intentional. Yeah. Because he can sing. I, yeah. You know, I read it's that the me- reason he got the role was because he <clears throat> sang the elemental song on Graham Norton and that's his like party trick. And so I, and then Weird Al saw that interview and was like, this is the guy who's going to play me because he, you know, obviously with his pokers and polkas and everything, like it's all about that mm. kind of tone. So that makes sense to me. But yeah, I, I would have liked to maybe maybe he'll perform in like, I don't know, a concert. It's not an I guess it's not a negative. It's just like a morbid curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> considering he's I loved it every time uh you know, Al singing the actual songs came on because I'm just like at first, I was like, oh, Dan- Daniel's not singing them, kind of like mm. you're talking about. And then I was just like, yeah, but of course he's not, because his voice, Weird Al's voice, is a one of one. Like, it really it's is. so distinct. And um, if Daniel tried to do any kind of impression, it would it would either have to be part of the joke, or it would be very distracting. So, mm. so yeah. Uh, any final thoughts? I'm I'm said, I think, everything I need to say. Anybody else have anything they want to say? Can't wait to watch it again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, All right. Before we head on to our best ever challenge, uh, I do want to thank our Sif Pop members. Thank you for supporting us, uh, being a part of the show and the website through your generosity. It is three bucks a month is where it starts. You can check it all out at patreon.com slash Sif Pop. 
really, really appreciate those who are joining up and helping out. Uh, it means the world to us. If um, if you are a Sif Pop member, don't forget you have. Uh, at certain levels, you have your own podcast feed that has not only the main show in it and all the Sif spoils and all that, but also a bon- uh, a bonus podcast uh, every week, a members-only pre-show, um, and or most weeks. And this week, we talked about Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. Uh, Alice and I had a good conversation about that series. So if you're curious about that or you just want to throw a couple bucks our way because you like what happens here, uh, feel free to do that. Patreon.com slash SiftPop. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's move on to the best ever time movies. Uh, These are best ever uh, movies that have the word time in the title. We'll go number five to number one. Uh, Let's start. I'll start, actually, um, with my number five. Uh, I have the movie In Time at number five. Did anybody else even have that movie anywhere near their list? Honorable mentions. mentions. Oh, good, good. So you liked it enough at least to to mention it honorable. Yeah, I think it gets a bad rep. Yeah, um, I'm a big yeah, I'm I a think, big concept person. So yes, exactly. And this movie is, I think, a really interesting concept, and that it plays with that concept well. So um, yeah, if you're interested in a movie about the idea of a future where everybody just gets a limited amount of time because you know mortality is not the same. Uh, if you're interested in seeing Justin Timberlake do a performance he's um, doing here, uh, then serviceable. <laughs> he acts in a movie. <laughs> he acts in this movie. Uh, Timberlake's performance is uh, a performance ever. Um, it is, uh, yeah, it's really, he, he really says the lines and does the actions. Yeah, he he really he's really really performance here. Um, so uh, anyhow, in time is I think is better than people give it credit for. So I had it in at number five. Yeah, I think it's a uh, it's a, a, a an instance of world building over substance. You know, yep. like the world building in this movie was mm-hmm. great, but the actual plot and story was just kind of. But yeah. it's so it's such an interesting concept. You're right. Yeah. 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 An early career Henry Cavill. No, not yeah. Henry Cavill. Is it Henry Cavill? Yeah. Or am I might thinking it? of someone else. No, it's Matthew something. Never mind. No, you're Ignore thinking. Me uh... I'm thinking of a different actor. <laughs> but no, I agree. I think... <laughs> I'm thinking of. I think um... you're. Uh, I'm yeah, gonna what's his up. name? Matt Bomer. Yes, Matt, Matt Bomer. Bomer. I got confused. He does Matt look Bomer. like Henry Cavill. That's why I knew who you yes. were talking about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, no, I agree. I think that, like I said, I'm a big concept person, and the concept does a lot of the heavy lift here. It's so fascinating, and this is just honestly, sometimes you just need a movie that's fun and like you don't have to think about too much, and you can just enjoy the action and like yeah, and you don't you can just turn it off and then walk away. 
And sometimes that's yeah. what you need. <laughs> uh, your number five, Andrew. Why don't you go next? I am going to go with Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Trump? Oh, never mind. Oh, you got to wait. You got to wait. There's there's so many Once Upon say, a Time movies. Do you movies. have any idea how many Once Upon a Time in movies there are? Never mind. Never mind. Got to wait for that. You got to wait for the location. Me. And trust me, we're, we're going to mention a lot of them on this list. So let's just say that. But no, Once Upon a Time in Mexico is the third installment in the El Mariachi films uh first one was El Mariachi, then desperado and then this was the final film uh all robert rodriguez films and they all feel so much like robert rodriguez who is kind of tarantino light i guess you could call him <laughs> uh but i i think these movies are fun uh the action is you know extreme the violence is ridiculous um but and the characters are so crazy so you're just in for a roller coaster with any of his movies. And this is this one doesn't fall short. I think it's entertaining for sure. Uh, very nice. Alice, what is your number five? My number five is The Land Before Time. Oh, oh nice. You want to talk it was about my first honorable mention. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, talking about generational trauma. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Littlefoot. Oh, I just, it is a movie that traumatized me and also helped me develop character and experience like, oh, why am I feeling these sad emotions about cartoon dinosaurs? Um, But it is, you know, just a really lovely tale. It was just a presence in my life growing up and... I haven't seen it in years because I am scared, uh, similar to um, me not wanting to watch The NeverEnding Story again, where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can get through the Artax scene. Artax! Yeah, Artex. just, it's that same thing where I'm like, I do want to watch it again, but I don't want to watch it again. Do I want to put myself through it again? <laughs> don't, don't I? But um, no, it's just a really, it's a really great, like, early, you know, is it 80s or I think or 80s. 90s? Yeah, 80s animation. Um, great story, great characters, very, 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 very sad. Very sad. Fun fact, the very first movie I ever saw in theaters. Oh, oh there you go. Okay. What wow. a movie to see in theaters for the first time. Yeah, really. Time. Mama? Yeah. Mama? <laughs> oh, God. <Yeah. gasps> no. Amazing. Uh, what do you think of uh, Land Before Times 2 through 14? <laughs> I haven't... There was a lot of land before time, man. <laughs> There's a lot of land to get through before time started. Yeah. <laughs> haven't it's about seen time them. for another one. They haven't made one since 2016. I was going to say, I'm so. surprised this one hasn't gotten a reboot. I feel like it's like that perfect sort of, that's not what I'm, you know, I'm not saying you should, I, you know, any executive listening, just just leave mm-hmm. it alone. It's fine. You can do a different dinosaur movie, but I am surprised. Well, I think the original one, wasn't it uh, uh, produced by Spielberg? Like there was a whole mm. lot of big names that, attached to it like i think it was a universal mm-hmm. yeah yeah spielberg was an executive property. producer george lucas was an executive producer yeah frank marshall kathleen kennedy were co-executive producers uh it was a don bluth film yeah. you know he was famous for those animated uh films back in the 80s and in yeah. the 90s so he did the non-disney films that were successful right american tale yeah. that exactly. kind of stuff so yeah. yeah and those are some of my favorites but yeah yeah good good pick alice very nicely Thank done you. aaron my number four Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, your number five. Did you do your number five? I sure did. It was in yeah. time. Uh, oh, my right. number four is No Time to Die. Same. Oh, me too. Uh, <laughs> 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 
it, what's that? That's not a Trump, but what is that? That's like I a, don't ding, know. Ding, we ding, should come ding, up with the name for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the trifecta. Uh, all of our number fours. No time to die. Uh, I, you know, I think Daniel Craig went out on a high note. I think this is uh, really good stuff. I'm not saying it's the best Daniel Craig film, um, but it no. is, I think, a no. good one. And it's not even the best uh, Craig Bond, but it's a good one. Well, that's mm. what I meant. I'm sorry. I meant the Daniel Craig Bond film, um, mm. but it, but yeah. it is definitely a good one, and I like the way it ends. For what it's worth, I know there are some mm-hmm. who don't. Um, I I enjoy much about this movie, so uh, yeah, I wanted to mention it here. Um, mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, that's what I would have to say about it. Uh, it's your fours as well. So Andrew, what did you? What would you have to say about No Time to Die? I like the fact that this is the first Bond movie that actually ends the way it ends. You mm. know. Um, I'm trying to remember 61 or 62 is when Dr. No came out, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it took them all the way till 2020 or 2021 to actually commit to that. And, uh, and I think it, it humanizes the character in a way that, I mean, Daniel Craig's bonds have always, you know, separated themselves for the fact that he gets hurt. None of the other bonds really got hurt. So for them to go the extra mile in this one really adds a le- level of uh, uh, humanity to the character. Like he is not immortal, you know. He's mm-hmm. he's he's human. He can make mistakes and things can happen to him. And it's it was a beautiful send off for Daniel Craig's James Bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Alice? Yeah, great. I I love that the Craig films at the very least they all feel like they have stakes to them you know and they're Mm -hmm. they're real consequences and i think this movie does that to the nth degree um i i also really like how it took the last movie that didn't have the best reception or wasn't the best in quality and actually i feel like it's one of those things where it elevated it because of where this movie went and how it made it more interesting and how the story kind of you know closes out um yeah I, i really i didn't expect to enjoy it as much as i did because yeah, the last movie I was like, oh yeah, and I and I have been enjoying the Craig Bond films, but this one I was glued to the screen. I also think some of the stunts in it, particularly at the beginning with the with the motorcycle, was just harrowing. Where I was like, I would have died so many times <laughs> if I had attempted these, and so it was really really exciting and visceral in that way. Um, and also the song, like No Time to Die is a fantastic Bond song. And it was really part of the reason why I started being like, oh, Billie Eilish, hello. Uh, okay, I might actually start listening to you now. Because um, it was very, again, it was very great as a Bond song, but also it was very in style. And yeah, I just, it was a really enjoyable experience. I should rewatch that, actually. I might put it on my rewatch list when I have time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, on to our number threes. Um, my number three is Once Upon a Time in the West. Uh, is I figured you might. Uh, we'll wait and talk about that a little bit later. I figured I'd get trumped on that one. Uh, Andrew, what is your number three? This might get trumped. Good time. No, I've actually never, I haven't seen this yet. Uh, Neither. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a fascinating movie. Uh, I have a feeling it's not Safety as... Safety Brothers, like, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not as like anxiety-inducing as Uncut Gems, 
but the stylization is there. And I do think that it's, uh, this is where I personally was like, oh, Robert Pattinson's got some acting chops on. Yeah. Like, he is great in this. And um, it's just, it's such a confined and intimate story. Like, it's not big and grandiose, but somehow that, that intimacy makes some of the peril in this movie go to that next level. Um, I think it's a interesting, it's, the Safdie brothers do have their own, like, kind of unique stylization for their movies. So if you, if you're not a fan of, like, how Uncut Gems is, like, filmed or, like, the film grain or any of that cinematography, then you, then you might not appreciate this, but I think it's a great movie. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. Good time. Good time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, Alice, your number three. Speaking of good time, bad times at the El Royale. <laughs> oh, interesting. Oh I didn't. I didn't. It, this is. Isn't it times plural? Oh, is that not allowed? The word That's time. That's fine. No, we'll we'll count it. I just didn't okay. count them for my because I was thinking of the actual word time, time. Like just the word time. But no, I, yeah. I figured plural wasn't. It's not like it's story time. It's time. <laughs> no, no. I, I, you need to understand. You are one hundred percent in the right here. Yeah, you're fine. You're fine. Okay. Yeah. Aaron and I are just mad because this would have made our list. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah we're okay, jealous. Good. We're very jealous. Yeah. Also because uh, this I movie's do amazing. Have yeah, I do have stuff in the honorable mentions, but I didn't want to put those on here, and I prefer this movie because it's very, very good. It's um, it is chaotic. It is chaos in a film, and I think it's actually probably got my favorite, or if not my favorite, but one of my favorite uh, Hemsworth performances, Chris Hemsworth performances. I think he is enigmatic and one of the best, like. Not Charles Manson, Charles Manson, um, you know, representations. I just love that kind of multi-linear storyline elements. And then obviously this was my first... um this was my first experience <clears throat> watching Cynthia Erivo on screen. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Oh, yeah. her presence is just... I love the success she's had since this. And I just want to see her continue because she has not just an amazing voice, which like, yes, because one of the best scenes of the movie is when she's singing and everything's happening around her, but also just her skill as an actor is amazing. And it's just really fun chaos. I really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that scene with her singing. Yeah. While so uh, Dakota Fanning, or not Dakota Fanning, but a, uh, Dakota Johnson. Dakota mm-hmm. Johnson, yeah. Is <laughs> like on the other side of the yeah. window. Is like you want to, like, yes, she has an amazing voice, but you are so scared <laughs> during that entire sequence that it's really difficult to pay attention to her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this would have been top tier on my list. Not number oh, yeah. one, but it would have definitely. It would have been number one for me um, mm-hmm. if I had put it on the list. Yeah. Uh, it would have so, been number yeah. two. Yeah. It's, it's so well. good. It's so very, very good. Uh, so all right, thank you, Alice, two. for reminding me of another movie I'm going to watch tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, my number two is about time. Trump. Um, Trump. 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 All right, so we will wait uh, till Alice gets to hers. Uh, Andrew, what is your number two? Just one second. About time. Oh, that's the Donald Gleason movie. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. I haven't seen it. Okay. Um, so my number two. This is probably going to be Aaron's number one. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Trump. Trump. Oh, no, not Trump. It's not now, a how Trump. can you Trump it's it? A, it's not a Trump. Yeah. It's a same, same, same Z's, same Z's. <laughs> so go ahead. What's your number two, yeah. Alice? 
Once upon a time in Hollywood. <laughs> it's a Trump True. purely He just wanted to push the button, button again. again. Yeah. Uh, can you do it this way? Trump! Uh, just, uh, no. It doesn't, yeah, no, that doesn't yeah, work. No. You tried um, to double up Echo cut on Cut that it. out, Phil. Cut that out, Phil. <laughs> uh, no, leave it in. Uh, so, on to my number one, which... Yes. It's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood! Hey! Uh, yeah, um... Could this be my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie? <gasps> Is that the truth? Uh, I think it might be. I I really fell in love with this movie. I fell mm. in love with the uh, <laughs> what I perceive as optimism. Maybe that's just because uh, Quentin Tarantino's <laughs> other movies are not as optimistic. Um, there, it's he's certainly still the same old Tarantino as far as violence and uh those kind of things but i finally think i i understand in this movie more than any other why he's doing that and how he's using violence in films and i think it's because this is one of his time travel movies and basically what i mean by that is you talk about the idea of what would you do if you could time travel? And the most common answer people give is I'd go back in time and kill Hitler. And yeah, Quentin Tarantino <laughs> was like, okay, let's okay. go. Movies are time machines. And I really feel like this was kind of one of those secondary answers. What would you do if you you know, had a time machine? Well, I'd go back in time and change this. And, um, and that's a really interesting thing to think about. <laughs> and um, I just, I, I really not only like that concept and where this movie goes, I think Brad Pitt is just astonishing in this movie. I I love what he's doing here. Leo's great. Margot Robbie is great. I'm not taking anything away from them. They're both stunning in this. Mm-hmm. But Brad Pitt just blows me away in this movie. And that ranch scene is as good as anything Hitchcock ever did with tension. It is mm-hmm. so good. Um so yeah, I'm I'm just I'm I'm a big fan of this movie. I like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You guys uh did you both have it at number two? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so it's, it's our winner for the week. Yeah, but what did what's some of your thoughts? I uh, I love the subtlety and mm. the nuance that uh, Brad Pitt brings to that performance. But man, Leo is just so charismatic, and he goes for it in this movie, and I absolutely love him for it. Um, the scene where he uh, first where he goes in and he starts mentally and, <clears throat> and verbally beating himself up because he forgot the lines. Yeah. And then yeah. he goes directly to giving a stellar performance in that one scene. Just, that's that's acting right there. That is acting because he first has to act bad and then he has to act well, but not act like Leo well. He has to act mm-hmm. a different... It's crazy to me that he pulled that off. My my big issue with the movie still stems from my thinking that it is a bit too long. That mm-hmm. they could have cut out some stuff, specifically the Margot Robbie stuff. Not entirely, obviously, because you need uh, her character, Sharon Tate's character, um, for the ending of this. But uh, I think that we, that it was just a little too much and it added to the runtime. But that's my only negative. I adore this movie. My disagreement with that take is on the record. We do not need to uh, <laughs> yep. go into it anymore. <laughs> Alice, what uh, what is your what are some of your thoughts on Once Upon a Time? In yeah, Hollywood? I mean, I was going to say, yeah, I think that um, it's a weird way to say it, but I think this is almost Tarantino's subtlest film in kind of how it tells the story. I really mm. love, yeah, I really, really love Brad Pitt's entire character arc. One of my favorite scenes is because, you know, the, there's this whole thing 
through line with his wife and what happened to her. Mm-hmm. And then there's the bit that almost acts as an answer where she's just going off and he just looks at the harpoon gun and then it cuts <laughs> away. Great. I just, one of my favorite moments. Cause it's, it's that character the whole time. He never really does or says anything obvious. He just kind of hint. It's mm-hmm. just hints. And that's why that ranch scene is so amazing. Cause you can tell there is so much going on beyond the surface, but you never yeah. are privy to it beyond what Brad Pitt is showing you. And I, yeah, I really loved his, I, I thought it was one of his most nuanced and interesting performances I'd seen in a long, long time. And so I was really glad when he won the Oscar because I was like, yeah, you was, it was a perfect supporting performance to DiCaprio's, which I also really loved, especially after The Revenant, where it was just the most depressing, awful, like, experience. Like, it looked like the experience was just Mm -hmm. like, it's good for him because he got an Oscar, but that looked like it would have been hell to do. So him mm-hmm. in this movie, then just clearly having the time of his life, it w- it looked like so much fun. I mean, yeah, all the different elements he was <clears throat> able to play with, with the character, with the idea of being an actor, especially in that time. I just, yeah, I think that word, you, you know, saying optim- how it's optimistic, Aaron, how you said before, I think that's perfect because it does feel like, again, a happy quote unquote movie of mm-hmm. Tarantino's. And yeah, yeah, I just, it, it's just so much fun to watch. Like, don't get me wrong. I love, I think Glorious Bastards is just as up there for me in terms of a Tarantino flick, but, and, and again, a fantastic performance by Brad Pitt in that one too. But I just think this one is, makes me feel happier by the end of it. And I really appreciate it for that. Yeah. Uh, anybody kills anybody in a fight, they go to jail. It's called manslaughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, all right. You're number one, Andrew. This is where I have Once Upon a Time in the West. Yeah, preach about it. Oh, you know I'm going to. It's a Sergio Leone film, and it's a spaghetti western. It's everything I love in this world. <laughs> um, I think that the performances in this, especially from like Henry Fonda and stuff, it's it's kind of a performance that you don't really see too many times in a uh, in a in a spaghetti western because you uh, a lot of time. In these movies, you'll get villains who... I'm sorry, my phone's acting all weird. Give me two seconds. Trying to pull up my notes here. There we go. Okay. So, what I was saying with uh, the Henry Fonda character is so many times in Spaghetti Westerns, you get an on-the-surface villain. Like, it's really evident up front why you hate them. And I love this movie because you you understand that you're supposed to be rooting against Henry Fonda, but you don't know why you hate him until the very end, whenever uh, Charles Bronson's character, they just call Harmonica, uh, mm-hmm. gives you that reasoning. And I think that Jason Roberts, who plays uh, Cheyenne, is stellar in this. It's just such a beautifully told story, and it's right up my alley. Yep. Absolutely one of my favorites. It's good stuff. Uh, I'm not a huge Western fan, um, but when it works, it works. And this is definitely one of those movies that works. Um, So, yeah, that's Once Upon a Time in the West. And I think that leaves us, Alice, with your number one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is and about, it's about time. about time. <laughs> yep. In more ways than one. No. <laughs> I... Yep adore this movie i think it's one of my favorite romantic comedies i love the love story i love donald gleason i love rachel mcadams i love bill nye and the relationship there between the father Mm -hmm. and the son i mean richard curtis he knows how to make a a great 
you know, love story that isn't, you know, Nicholas Sparks, The Notebook. It's like it's a nice, mm-hmm. very positive with this element of time travel, which is so fun and not it's just enough. It's just enough magical realism to add something different to it. But it is it just gives me warm and fuzzies. And sometimes it is like exactly what I need, especially I'll put this on very often when I'm sick because I'm like, I just want to watch a nice movie with people who have nice lives and where everything ends up happy in the end. And (laughs) it just always makes me cry from happiness. The music, I mean, the the soundtrack again and the score pair perfectly to tell this beautiful um, story about this, you know, guy just trying to find his himself and growing up and falling in love and having kids and at the same time having this strange power. But then what I love about Richard Curtis movies is that all the supporting characters are just as three dimensional and had they whether they're in it for one scene or most of it, they all have their own lives, their own motivations. And it so clearly comes out. It is also when I watched it recently, I completely forgot Vanessa Kirby was in this film before she was, you know, the crown and mission impossible's mm-hmm. Vanessa Kirby um, or pieces of a woman, Vanessa Kirby. And I was like, what? Hello. And so it's so mm-hmm. much fun to go, back and watch that um especially because at the same time i was in the mo- in the middle of watching the patient with donald gleason and steve carell on disney plus it's a very mm-hmm. different donald gleason performance Aaron and so, just talked about that last week oh so good yeah it is just and so i really love him as an actor and so this was i think one of his first like starring roles as like the lead and so yeah i just and you know it's great to see especially because brendan gleason being his father you're always like okay son let's see how you do and he's he's got the talent i love it so much it's so good it's so good i yeah. had it at number two yeah. uh andrew you need to get this on your list maybe yeah. i'm it up looking a few and notches. It's, it's on hulu so i'll probably the number three movie i'll watch tonight um <laughs> it, it, it's conceptually sound mm-hmm. it's interestingly handled and the emotion works yes. and that's the the key part the emotion just works in this movie and um yeah it's it's a great watch so if you haven't checked out about time uh check it out i'm definitely going to check it out for the simple fact that aaron above anybody else i know is very stringent when it comes to how he feels about time travel movies Mm. so whenever i hear him praise a movie that is about time travel um i in i immediately you know bump it up on my list Mm -hmm. and there you go uh, all right, let's talk honorable mentions. Um, uh, Alice, what do you got? I only have two others. One is another Rachel McAdams uh, time travel love story, which is the time, <laughs> time travel. What a weird it's niche for her to be in. Uh-huh. She's been in three now, which is technically, if you count Doctor Strange, um, oh, I guess four technically. Um, the time traveler's wife is one. It is a nice romance. Um, I mean, it's not like my favorite movie in the world, but it is if you're in the mood for like, romance with a capital R with a little bit of time travel, then this is this is a good one for you. Even though it is a little bit problematic with the age gap that happens from time to time. But, you know, mm-hmm. they made a whole show about it recently, so clearly people don't care that much. Um, but the second and my more honourable of the mentions is this movie called Timer. Um, not sure if you guys have seen it or even heard about it, but it is a very indie film that stars Emma Caulfield, who you would recognise from Buffy. She played Anya and Buffy, but also recently she was in um, One Division as Dot. Uh, 
and it is a very, again, I love a good uh, concept, right? And so this is really where it came from for me. So the the concept of the world here is that uh, you're in a world where you have a soulmate and there's this technology that's been created and you get a timer implanted into you that tells you how long until you're going to meet the perfect person for you, that your soulmate. And so once it's implanted, it'll immediately start counting down. And when it goes off that next day, you are going to meet them and your like implant will go off at the same time as their implant. And you know that you've met your person. And so it's about this woman and she's, you know, had a blank timer this, um, you know, at the start of the movie where she's gotten it implanted, but her soulmate hasn't had hers, his implanted yet. And so she's going around desperately trying to find who her soulmate is. Um, and it's a really interesting exploration of relationships and this idea of like true love and soulmates. Cause you know, there are some people who get it implanted, implanted and immediately it goes off. And then there are some people who get it implanted and it says that they're not going to meet their soulmate for 35 years. And so they're kind of stuck in this element of limbo. And so it's a really interesting, again, kind of like high concept sci-fi exploration um, that I do recommend checking out. Timer. Yes. Uh, Andrew, what do you got in your honorable mentions? I only have one that hasn't been mentioned yet and that's time bandits. Yeah. I had that in mind too. (laughs) Yeah. I had that in mind too. I mean, that uh, was just that's... a great childhood movie. Yeah, yeah, it's that's lots of fun. Um, have to There's a remake some... going? Mm, Taco with Tati. <gasps> yeah, that'd be fun. <gasps> oh, I'm excited. <laughs> um, okay, Aaron, what you got? Somewhere in Time, I think, is worth uh, worth mentioning. Uh, that is also a tra- time travel movie. Um, always yeah. stood out to me as a. Uh, uh, a movie oh, yeah. because it's all shot on Mackinac Island in Michigan, and I've been up there many times, and that's always their big, like, go to the Grand Hotel. It's where Somewhere in Time was shot. So I watched it, and I was like, oh, that's that's really nice. Um, a Time to Kill is the other one uh, I would mention uh, as well. So there you go. Some honorable mentions that mention time. On to our buried treasures. What's that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to make sure somebody knows about? Um Alice, you will go last because you are our guest. Andrew, kick us off. Well, I said uh, don't talk about this movie earlier because I was going to talk about it now. It is another coming-of-age film that I think is done to Pontiac perfection, and that would be Sing Street. Oh, so good. It is... let's, let's just be clear. I had no clue this was your buried treasure today <laughs> no, when I brought up Sing Street earlier. None yeah. at all. That, well, that is the wild. Well, I mean, I, I chose it because it is another coming of age film. So mm-hmm. it's it's. It, I was rolling the dice that it could have been talked about. But man, I love this movie. Drive it like you stole it is one of the oh, best songs ever. So good. And that scene is so good because kind of like in uh, uh, Armageddon time, it's from the it's told from the imagination of our protagonist, you know. And you see this childlike wonder of uh, everything working out. You know, and it's this beautiful song of grabbing life and just going with it, you know, and like making it yours. And then as soon as that song ends and he's back in the real auditorium and the kids are giggling and stuff, it's heartbreaking. Um, This movie kind of ends the same way that Armageddon Time does. But I think that the ending in Sing Street is a lot more like a hopeful yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> uh, but, but if you think about it, they end the same way. Uh, I don't want to get into, obviously, spoilers for how Armageddon Time ends, but I think that there's an optimism to Sing Street, whereas there is a 
sense of concern for Armageddon time. So it's interesting the way that, you know, those two stories are told. And just, I, I mentioned Drive Like You Stole It, but honestly, the entire soundtrack for mm-hmm. Sing Street is remarkable. It's so good. Sing Street uh, looks like he's available with ads on several different kinds of channels, including the Roku channel, by the way. Uh, if you're watching Weird, you can also watch Sing Street there with ads. If you want it without ads, you I think Canopy is the only place to watch it without ads. Uh, that is a library service app, I believe. Um, oh, where you can sign cool. in with your library card and uh, watch it. Uh, all right, I'll go. I'll go next. Um, I have started season two. Uh, just started on HBO Max of The White Lotus, um, mm-hmm. and I think The Buried Treasure is the first season of The White Lotus, as well as heading into the second season of White Lotus, um, because not everybody's watched it. Uh, this is a well. I was going to say a whole new cast, but it's not because Jennifer Coolidge uh, <laughs> is showing up again in the second season. But I do love the idea that we will we will explore uh, wealth and privilege in, amongst different families each time. That's that's really exciting to me. Uh, and the show does it so well. Um, you know, some of those those topics can be difficult to kind of navigate. But the show not only navigates the topics well; it does it in a way that feels so authentic but also just like right on the edge of satire like it's just like it's like walked up to the cliff edge of the of the satire ocean and it's like looking down and it's feeling the satire breeze off the satire ocean but still remaining like this authentic show and um i i find that really impressive so uh not sure where season two is going not sure if i'll like it as much as i liked season one um, but Mike White, uh, who does the show is, I think a, a real interesting voice in saying some real interesting things. So, uh, I would recommend White Lotus season one, as well as what I've seen of season two, which is just the first episode, but I, I'm enjoying getting to know, uh, these new characters. Which Only six episodes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a quick breezy watch too. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, something to keep in mind. So that's the White Lotus. You can find season one and the first episodes of season two on HBO max. Uh, Alice, what do you got? Okay, guys, I have a problem. I have a recent addiction, and I ne- <laughs> when when I was like, I'm coming on, I'm going to talk about it because I have to. So last week, I finally got around to watching Heartstopper on Netflix. I only okay. started it next last week, and I am currently starting my seventh rewatch of this show. <laughs> it is. Whoa. It is. What? Actually. Come on, that can't be real. <laughs> I'm not joking. Okay. Let me first. First of all, it's only eight episodes, and each episode's only like 25 to 30 minutes. So it's not that long. Sure. Of a watch. So in the course of the week, you've only watched 48 episodes <laughs> of this show. Okay, and let me tell you why. Okay, so first of all, um, it's ironic that Sing Street was your buried treasure, um, Andrew, because this is also a coming-of-age story set in the UK um, or, you know, in the British Isles. Um, So basically, it is about uh, Charlie, who's the boy on the right for those watching visually, and Nick, who they are two boys in England. Uh, Charlie has been outed, and so everyone in the school knows he's gay. They they go to an all-boys school, and Nick is the captain, or he's the star player of the rugby team, and they get sat next to each other in like basically homeroom one day and they meet and then they slowly start falling for each other. And it's just honestly 
the nicest thing I have seen in a long time. It is so heartwarming. It is so just wholesome and beautiful. And this is going to sound strange, but it's made me feel young again in a very particular way. You know, you'll remember being in high school and having a crush on someone and being like, oh, do they like me back? I don't know. In those first, you know, that moment of going from meeting them to having a crush to potentially, oh my God, it might end up being more than a crush. And it then developing from there in the most wholesome, cute, like I'm a teenager way. And it's all, it made me remember what it's like to have those feelings as someone who's been in a long-term relationship for a long time in a v- positive, like I'm very happy and, and I'm happy. I don't have to go through that again. As somebody who's dragging myself <laughs> through this long-term relationship. <laughs> but oh like, gosh, you know, when's this going to be over? <laughs> <laughs> but like as someone who, who's been in that and, you know, obviously hasn't been in high school for a long time, it's kind of, it's re-triggered a core memory of being in high school and experiencing these feelings. But again, in the positive way, So it's not what I also really love is that I'm like, this is what high school was like. Like, this isn't like Euphoria or any of these other shows where I'm like, "Mm, girl, I didn't do any of this stuff in high school. Like, I don't know what what worlds these people are living in. But this is a proper representation of what it's like to be a 15 and 16 year old just experiencing, you know, who you are and figuring out who you are, because that's obviously a really big part of this show is the fact that Nick, um, the you know, he assumed he was straight this whole time, but he starts having feelings for Charlie as well. And he has to go through this whole, like, who am I? Am am I gay? Am I straight? Am I bi? What's going on? And having to deal with all of that while also developing this really beautiful relationship. Honestly, it is just, it's so nice to just watch something where everything's nice. You know what I mean? And that's not to say it spurs away from the more dramatic and, you know, there is definitely still homophobia present. There's still, you know, emotional elements and, and really exploring what it is to be a teenager, especially now with social media, but it's not doing it to the overly dramatic extent. It is real. It feels real. And there's also all the supporting characters in this are also just fantastic developed i will say it's based on a graphic novel that is also absolutely amazing and i highly highly recommend you read it um and the writer in the last week she's read it seven times the (laughs) graphic novel uh no i've only done it twice aaron don't be ridiculous um i've also read all the companion novels and the companion (laughs) books but you know it's fine but the (laughs) the author of the graphic novels is actually the showrunner and the writer of the show which is why it is so true to it, but it tells it in a way that it, it did expand on characters beyond what you can do in a graphic novel, which is nice. You know, other characters in it, there's um, a, a girl in it who's trans and she's recently, you know, um, come out and she's finally in an all girls school. There's also Charlie's friends and then obviously Nick's friends and like having to develop them and the dynamic there. And also because it's based on a graphic novel, there's all these, you, you can see in the poster, there's these little like graphic elements that show up here and there that are really like perfect for representing feelings and emotions when you know just to kind of again re-trigger these feelings in yourself and yeah I just I can't stop watching it because ironically because of heart the it's called Heartstopper but I can't stop thinking about it and watching it because it is just so it's already become a comfort watch and it always makes me feel warm and fuzzy and again just like these feelings of like oh that's what it was like I remember now and it is also just so well made I will also say Olivia Coleman and Stephen Fry are in the cast so that's also just another positive so I love it so much please watch (laughs) 
Uh, just, I, we don't have to watch it. I just it. added it to my queue. Thank you. We don't. We don't have to. We don't have to watch it, Alice. Uh, you've probably seen it enough. Why don't you just start performing it? <laughs> I yeah. could. You can just go start start at episode one and just perform it word for word. Now that you've I seen it, I actually could. And the music. I will also say the music and the soundtrack, like the score and the soundtrack, are both amazing as well. Like the score is, it's very like synthy and very suited to a coming of age story. Um, and then the the soundtrack has been perfectly chosen. So it's currently filming season two, and I, I'm like. This season two needs to come out before, you know, I end up watching this more than 20 times, which I will say it's not just me. I joined a Facebook group because I was like, I need to talk to someone about this. <laughs> and there are people on this group who have watched it not like north of 35 times. So it's listen, not just me. Listen, it's not just me. No, that's the easiest way to the easiest way to justify your addiction to anything is be like, I'm not as bad as this person. Yeah. All right. Listen, listen, I'm OK because this person is much worse. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so that thank you for coming uh, to my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> Heartstopper. Yeah. Uh, is the name of the show. And did you say that is on Netflix? Netflix, yeah. yes. Heartstopper's on Netflix. White Lotus is on HBO yeah. Max. And, oh, and one of is them, on several different places. Yeah, sorry. I'll just say one of the actors, the guy who plays Charlie's just been cast in Agatha Coven of Chaos. So, and I'm certain oh, nice. Kit Connor is um, going to be cast soon because he's a very, very, like, rising. He is rising. So, it'll be very, Phil very Phil said he's cool. glad you found your support yeah. group. <laughs> yes, I am it's too. always nice to find people who will support you. Always yeah. nice. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, again, that is on Netflix. White Lotus on HBO Max and Sing Street on several other uh, channels you can watch with ads. Uh, there you go. We did it, guys. We Woo. managed to do a Ooh. podcast um we didn't even have to watch everything seven times in the last week <laughs> to make it happen uh it's pretty impressive Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. To the rockin' of the bang bang, shepherd it up, up the boogie, to the rhythm of the boogie, the band. <laughs> uh, huge thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil! Uh, thank you to Alice for hanging out with us again today. Uh, Alice, where do you want to send people to find you? Hello. Yes, thank you. Um, so I am obviously also a writer for SifPop.com. My most recent review was for She-Hulk, which I have found that in my reviews lately, I've started uh, going off a little bit with my opinions and being like, you know what? What do I want to know? Here you go. Here's 800 words. Um, and so, you know, you can read that and I'll soon have my one-stop pop uh, coming out this uh, month as well. And then on the flip side of that, I have my review channel on YouTube with my close friend and we recently did a retrospective of The Departed which I'd never seen before and now have seen and also we reviewed Don't Worry Darling which was an extremely interesting discussion um, I highly recommend <laughs> watching it um, but that you can find that it's Clean Slate uh, on YouTube you can find us at Clean Slate Reviews um, on Instagram and yeah it's a lot of fun our next one is going to be a top 10 crime films of all time so stay tuned for that nice. ooh nice yeah. Uh, follow Alice wherever she goes. Always a great read. <laughs> always a great listen. Uh, much love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members as well for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at three bucks a month. You can find out all the information at Patreon. Patreon.com slash Sif Pop. Lots of ways to connect with us. Feel free to comment, rate, or leave a review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. Uh, if you do email, remember that. You can do that at feedback at Sif 
Uh, and if you want to send us a letter, send it to... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and finally, <laughs> if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show, too. So make sure you let them know about it. And that listening is much easier than surviving ordering dumplings when your mom just made dinner. Uh, we will be back next week with a little movie called Black Panther? Wakanda Forever? Uh, as well as probably uh, Banshees of Inishirin. Uh I think we'll probably talk about both of All these week, indie so. movies coming out. When are we going to get my big blockbusters? A million movies I have to watch this month. A million. All right. We'll catch you next week, guys. Bye. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.